Hello, Gritman. Gritman here, and welcome to the Gritman Show. Got a big show for you today. Thank you for tuning in. First, let me say a quick thank you to our sponsor, Clear Companies. The Clear Companies is a company of companies that work together to provide fully integrated services for critical infrastructure projects. Their services include excavation, underground utilities, paving, electrical, and plant construction. Make one call instead of ten. Clear Companies, our connections build Texas. I also want to encourage you to support our brand partners. If you're in a position where you can do business with our show sponsor, by all means, do it. But our brand partners make gear that all grit men can use. We've got Poncho Outdoors that makes the best outdoor shirt on the market. Check them out. We've got Turtle Box Audio, the loudest, the toughest, most rugged Bluetooth speaker in the market. And now we're adding Chama Chairs, the best outdoor chair on the market. Look in the show notes. Follow us on Instagram to learn how you can use code GRIT to unlock some special grit men savings. All right, let's dive into the show. Not sure about y'all, but growing up when you're in school and you got assigned a book you had to read, man, I hated it. Um, but the older I've got, the more I enjoy reading and learning. And However, I do have a bunch of books that I bought that maybe are in the leadership or self-help category. And I'll read a chapter or maybe two, and man, I just can't get through them. And so they're boxed up in my garage. Feel free to come borrow them or take them if you want, lightly used. But most of those books probably should have been like four pages. Someone had a good idea or a concept, but then I think they should have just left the two or three blank pages where a person can write down what they thought about that concept and how they can apply it. But the best book I've read over the last year is called Living Every Minute, and that's by Dr. Tim Reynolds, who's our guest today. Dr. Tim has done a lot, seen a lot, and he writes it down and delivers it in a way that you can understand and grit men can use. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. I encourage you to get his book, either the audio version or the print. He's doing something special for the grit men. If you go to his website, Living Every Minute, and put in grit men show code, he's going to give 25% off on his book and all of his products. So let's not wait around. Let's go. Um, thank you for listening. Get out there and find your grit. He's a lot like nails. He plays like nails. He's tough as nails. He likes to call himself Grit Man, whatever that means. Quit with my daddy. Guess I didn't make the time. And it's been a year since I've seen a deer at a small mouth on the line. The other day I hooked a monster. And as I reeled him in, I thought, man, it feels good to be country. Well, Dr. Tim, thanks for coming on the Grit Men Show. Glad to have you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm going to let you drive. I'm going to sit back and be your co-pilot and maybe check the map, keep us out of traffic, and try to make good conversation. Sounds great. I love it. Well, why don't you start off with your story and your upbringing? And I researched you a lot and read your book and know you're one of six children and the first one to go to high school, and, but you've accomplished a lot. So why don't you share that with our audience? Yeah, short version is I grew up, I was the oldest of six, and uh, neither, my, my, my dad dropped out of school about the eighth grade, my mom about the 10th grade, and uh, I was one of those backseat babies. And uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm the first Reynolds in the history of the Reynolds family to go to graduate from high school, let alone go to college. And so, you know, I always love telling that part of it because people say, well, yeah, that's easy for you to say you're a doctor, this, that, and that. No, no, no. That's not the way this started, right? This, uh, you can do anything and, and it doesn't matter what your background was or how you started. So I was the oldest of six. I went uh, straight out of high school. I went into the military. Uh, I went into special forces, became a Green Beret medic. Um, and then I spent a total of 17 years in the military, did a Spanish interrogation school, ended up going to medical school, and eventually became the battalion surgeon for the 19th special forces group. Um, and then uh, just the, the kind of after military, went to college and uh, went undergrad medical school at the University of Utah and doing emergency medicine residency, which kind of fits right in with being, you know, Greenberry medic and did emergency medicine residency in uh, Texas. And that's how I ended up in Texas. And I've been here ever since. Love, love some Texas. Um, my wife, Pam, and I now have five kids of our own. We've raised five kids. Uh, they're very successful in their own right. We have uh, three of them that are physicians, one that has a business degree from Arkansas, Sydney, who you just met, who's the CEO of our teaching company. So 
Uh, it's great because now we get to work with all of our kids and they're back here. Uh, we live kind of a really awesome life at this point. We have a 320-acre ranch in Texas with horses and cows and alpacas and goats. And uh, then we have a house up in the mountains in uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And we have a house on the beach in Belize. Um, and so we kind of spend our time between those three places. Um, we built, I, I did emergency medicine for about 10 years and was medical director of a level two trauma center. And then we opened our own uh, healthcare company called Healthcare Express, now has 20 locations in four states. We do about $40 million a year. So we build a pretty good sized company and we have a little portfolio of other little companies that we also have. And so I spend half my time between business and medicine and teaching. That's kind of how I, how I spend my time at this point. That's awesome. Well, what I liked about your style in the book is that, I don't know, I feel like a lot of self-help, self-help books should be four pages or three pages. and yeah. <laughs> But then they say the same thing over and over. But you combine simplicity, a, a straightforward kind of conversational style, not trying to confuse people with big words, but just using your experience and what you've learned in life. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I really wanted a book that, and I say this in the beginning of the book, world doesn't need one more book. <laughs> but uh, what I really try to do is there is the philosophy of how to create a great life, but then there's also the practical. Yeah, but tell me what I can do today that actually would change things. So I try to combine those two things together. So there's plenty of opportunity in there to say, just do this, start today and do this every single day. Well, let's jump into the book. And the goal is to talk about a few topics and and then encourage our listeners to go read it themselves. So sure. the book's called Living Every Minute, and that's yes, your sir. philosophy. Yep. And you talk about zombie life. So let's start there. Can you tell us how you came to that title and, and what's it about? Yeah, so I think what happens is a lot of times without knowing that it's happening, we end up in what I call the zombie life. And the zombie life is where every day is Tuesday. You know, it's like the movie Groundhog Day get up just before I have to be to work, drink down my coffee real quick, drive to work. I always call it, check your brain in at the clock, go and do what it is that you do for work all day long, check your brain out, pick up, go home, you know, have a, have a couple beers, turn on the TV, and every single day starts to look a lot the same. And the next thing you know, five, 10 years down the road, you're still living in the same house, you're still driving the same car, and you can't figure out what the hell happened. And I think the living every minute is saying, you know what, this is, as far as we know, this is the only one you get. This is not a stage rehearsal. And so what could I do to create spectacular in my life? What could I create to create spectacular in my health, my wealth, my relationships, my self-improvement? How would I be intentional about that? And I'm sure, you know, you know about it because I see the way you're acting, the way the things you're doing in your life. And it's very intentional. And it's so funny. Once you start down that road, then you start looking. All right. What's another little hack I could use? What could I do to make my mornings better? What could I do? You know, and you start just adding on to that. But it doesn't start. That doesn't start until you finally just make the decision you know what, I'm not going to just live the zombie life. I'm going to actually take control of my life and create spectacular. Love so. that. And, and you, you painted a, um, some pictures based off stories, and there were great examples. And one was about an RV and a coworker. You mind sharing yeah. that? Yeah. So I call it the RV syndrome. And it's actually working in the ER. Unfortunately, you got to see a lot of this where, you know, look, I've been taking a vacation in 12 years, mommy and daddy are, you know, we're saving up our money. So one day we'll be able to get our RV. We'll be able to, you know, go travel the world, go around. And then, but what unfortunately you don't realize is that, you know, at age 60, mom is going to have a stroke or you're going to get to MS or whatever we, the, the future that we don't know. I mean, I've been a recent recipient of it myself and, um, you just don't know what's going to happen. So if you choose to delay your life until you retire or until this other thing happens, the chances are you may never, that day may never come. And so you really have to learn to live every minute right now. I actually had this literally an RV. My, uh, one of the nurses who worked with me in the ER, she was sitting at home and her husband went to fill up the RV so they could go on their vacation. And while he was sitting at the gas pump, had a heart attack and died. 
And so we're doing, you know, CPR coding this guy and it's our nurse who we've worked with for 10 years. And I was just like, man, I hope, I wish, I wish they wouldn't have waited, you know? So it, finding the balance between living now and saving enough money so you can live later also, that's the yin and the yang, right? right. You want to do both. You don't want to be, you don't want to be broke because you spend all your money at the same time. All that money is not going to do you any good if it's just sitting in the bank and you don't do anything with it. Right. We'll, we'll come back to balance. That's a, that's one of my okay, favorites sure. in the book. I want to talk about something that's relevant to the grit men show. And, and one of our themes is it's okay to be a man and the world needs more grit, but it. it's kind of a screwed up world we live in. Um, where the word man or men is offensive to some people. And we've got some people that want to take the word dad out of the language and call us non-birthing parents, and yeah. which is also confusing because I've heard men can get pregnant now, so I don't know how you can be both. Right. Um, and then we got biological males that turn into females and go whoop up on girls and track yeah. and, and in the pool. And so weird times, but you have a concept where you talk about equality is not sameness and masculine energy versus feminine, feminine energy. Can you touch yeah. on that? Absolutely. We could, we could do a whole hour just on that, yeah. but I'll just touch on it briefly for now. I, I truly think that what happened is probably out of good intentions, people said, you know what? Women and men should be equal. They, you know, women aren't paid as much as men. They can't vote. They can't drive. This is back in the day, right? Right. And so in an attempt to have equality, we mistakenly mistake equality with sameness. Equality means if you do the same job as me, you should get paid the same. I don't think any of us argue with that. Mm -hmm. You know, that you should be able to have the same rights, the same opportunities. I have a, a daughter who's a physician you know, she should have the same opportunities as my son is a physician. That does not mean they should be the same. Being the same is not have the same as same opportunities. In fact, it's our differences that provide all the juice. It's our differences that make it spectacular to live life. Otherwise, I'd just live with you. I mean, what would be the difference is the difference between me and my wife, the, what she brings to the relationship, her softness, her femininity, and I don't mistake femininity with weakness, because that would be a big mistake in my wife's case, because she'd put you on your ass. Right. But she's she's very feminine, she's very soft, and she's a hell of a leader and a great person. That is not the same thing. That sameness is not the same as equality. And I think we've confused those two things. Um, and then we come into terms like toxic masculinity. And the whole reason I have this course that I have called the Reclaim Your Gladiator is um, I'm sitting in the back of this a conference one time listening to this guy talk and he's giving great material and I look around and it's all women and I'm like what's going on and I realized he was bringing this feminine energy and they started talking about toxic masculinity and I said there's really no such thing as toxic masculinity there's masculinity and then there's assholes right. and just because some guy's an asshole don't call that toxic masculinity just call that guy an asshole right and you know masculinity is not having a sideways hat and a jacked up truck Masculinity is, you know, being a caregiver, taking care, providing, watching after others, being the being looking over the flock, making sure everybody's safe. Look at the history of great men. That's what masculinity actually is supposed to look like. Being a great father, a great husband, doing all of those kinds of things. I, I think we got confused. That's well said. And you talked about how men and women can can have both. Like you can have masculine energy as well as feminine energy, and, yeah. and use both to your advantage. No, we all we all definitely do. So on a spectrum, yeah, because I'm not talking about sexuality, and I'm not talking about sexual preference, and I'm not talking about gender. I'm talking about energy, mm -hmm. right? So everybody brings an energy to a room, and you have masculine energy and feminine energy, and we all have both. It's just that men tend to have more masculine energy than feminine and women tend to have more feminine energy than masculine. But we've all known women who have a lot of masculine energy, not 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 gay women, straight women. Mm -hmm. we, and we all know guys who have bring more feminine energy. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. Understanding what those two are and how to use both. When I first started teaching this, I realized I was like 99 percent masculine energy and one percent, you know, 
feminine energy, but as time's gone on, I've learned to actually realize when to use feminine energy. I'll give you a couple examples. My wife and I are in a, in a meeting together and the meeting ends and she goes, boy, you could feel the tension in that room. I'm like, I don't feel anything in that room. Well, because she's as, as, as a woman is using feminine energy, she feels what's happening in the room rather than just blockhead, you know, me not being able to do that. And over time, I've started to learn how to, you can you can adapt that, right? So now when I'm talking, I'll read an audience and say, oh, okay, now I see what's happening. That's feminine energy, mm-hmm. right? People are like, you know, well, if you cry, crying is a sign of weakness. But is it? Because if I feel so passionate about something that as I talk to you, I start to tear up, does that make my what I'm saying weaker or stronger? No, I think it's stronger. Yeah, of course, yeah. right? And so we just get those things backwards sometimes. So that's that's kind of what that's about. That's awesome. Yeah, I'd agree. My wife has way better intuition and gut feeling than me. So yeah, I mean, it just right? comes natural for her. Yeah. How many times have you heard women say something's wrong? What do you mean? I don't know. I just feel it. Something's wrong. Right. But you and I don't have the ability to do that. Right. Right. Uh, in the book, you touch on some dumb sayings or things maybe we've been taught or you hear, you just said crying is a sign of weakness. That was one, but find your passion and you never have to work a day in your life for. Yeah. It's a great title for a book. (laughs) Well, it is right. I mean, what what a, what a great idea. If you just go sit in a cave and figure out what your life's purpose is and what your passion is, then everything will work out except for one problem. That's just not true. Right. That's just not the way life actually works. Right. I don't know anybody that's worked for. Right. And so I, I think there's a higher meaning, a higher way of thinking about, which is instead of finding the thing you love to do, learn to love the thing you're doing, learn to love the thing you're doing. And that might lead to a different thing into a different path. There's no way at age 18, I could have possibly guessed what I'd be doing today. So there's no way I could have went and sat somewhere and figured out my life purpose and it would have ended up looking like this. Nor you. This is not what you would have saw happening, right? Not at and, all. And we have to be open to that. We have to be open to it. We don't know exactly know what the path is. So why don't I just love the thing I'm doing now? We still, I'm still not sure what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> you, grow up you, you grow up, you grow old. So yeah. Right, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, another one you had is, you know, and never hire friends and family. And I've, I mentioned my wife, we've, we've argued on this one and um, I loved how you explained it. You touch on that one. Yeah. I've I've heard that forever. And as we build our companies, I started thinking, who am I going to hire? Should I hire my enemies? (laughs) Just hire strangers. I mean, the best businesses in the world were built by two friends you know, you look at Bill Gates and his partner, Michael Dell and his partner. I mean, you well, the most impressive thing in the world is watch Warren Buffett and uh, I can't remember his partner's name. I'm blanking on it right now. And they're both in their 90s, right? And they've been together for 50 years. That's what creates amazing business. Can you imagine if he'd went by the rule of don't hire friends and family, you know, or every Chinese restaurant you go to is a family of Chinese people who cook Chinese food. Mm -hmm. Uh, To me, it just seems like a silly saying. Now, I will admit, if you hire friends or family and you have to fire them or it doesn't go right, it is ugly. Mm -hmm. It is ugly. And you just have to be aware of that, be cognizant of that. But I, I just think over the 25 years I've been in business, the people who I've hired, who my friends and family, most of the time it works out amazing. I mean, my daughter's sitting here doing my, my podcast with you today, right? you know, I could hire somebody I don't know, but I'd rather hire her. I'd, I'd keep her. She did great. She does great. <laughs> All right. She's got one more day there. Do you role play with a friend or family prior to being a yeah. partner and say, play the what if game? And, and, and Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I have a couple. So we used to have a rule in our companies that said, if you work for me, I won't hire your wife. Right. But we've made big exceptions to that rule. And when I do, I'll sit down with them and say, okay, here's the problem. If this doesn't work out and I have to fire you or doesn't work out for whatever reason, I'm going to lose both of you. Because that's just the way it is, right? You got to defend your husband or defend your wife. 
You're not going to defend me to your husband or wife. So you just have to recognize this could be spectacular, but if it goes bad, it's probably going to go bad and I'm going to lose both of them. Yeah. All right. Let's get into a big topic that I think most men or women or people that are driven struggle with. And, and you talk about not having balance. And that's one of those myths we've hear that work-life balance, whatever that means. But you say it's not about balance. It's about integration. Right. So I think a higher purpose or a higher thinking about it is this integration idea. So the reality of balance is that, so when I ask people about work-life balance, I say, are you talking about balance of time? In other words, do I have to spend exactly the same number of hours with my kids I spend with my wife and the same number of hours with my wife I spend at the gym? So are you talking about balance of mental power that I spend as much time thinking about it? Are you talking about what, what do you mean by balance? Because there's a lot of ways I could look at that. And the more you think about it, it just doesn't seem to make sense. So my son right now is a, a third year medical student. He's about to take what's called the step two exam, which is basically if you want to continue to be a doctor, you got to pass this exam. So for the last six weeks, he's been studying eight hours a day for this step two exam. Well, what should his life balance look like right now? It should look exactly like that, right? So it's the balance that makes sense today based on where you are in your life and career. You know, if you're 15 years old and you spend most of your time thinking about yourself, that's probably appropriate. But if you're 45 years old and you spend most of the time thinking about yourself, something went wrong. Mm -hmm. So changing that balance over time, you're in college, you're studying for finals, you're in the military, you're just starting a career, you just had a baby, wherever you are, this is the question I tell people to ask. Look at where you spend most of your time and ask yourself this question. Is it okay? For where I'm at right now, is this okay? You know, I can't imagine when I was a resident, you know, working 120 hours a week at the hospital, what should I have done? Just say, sorry, I can't be here. You know, that's just, that doesn't make any sense. That's silliness. And so integration is this idea of if that's how I'm supposed to be spending my time and effort, can I integrate the other parts of my life into that? So it makes more sense. So can I, you know, health, wealth, relationships, how can I integrate those so that they make more sense? How can I chunk? In other words, I don't like multitasking because multitasking means you just don't do two things very well. Mm-hmm. but chunking makes more sense. So I'll give you an example. I want to go golfing. I also want to spend more time with my son. I take my son golfing. So I'm chunking those two things together. So whenever I do my weekly planning, I'll write all the stuff that needs to be done. And I'll go, is there some of this I can chunk together? I have to go to Dallas, but you know what? Maybe I'll just take Pam with me. We'll spend three hours driving to Dallas together. Uh, you know, so you can chunk things. Or when I was, uh, when I worked in the hospital, I don't work in the hospital anymore, but when I used to, Pam would bring the kids up and we'd have a carpet lunch on my, in my call room. So I'm working in the ER, but I'm able to go back and sit and have time with my family. So that's what I call integration is how can I integrate what I'm doing with, with the other thing, instead of trying to balance it and give them equal time, how do I integrate them together? Those are great examples one point you also make is that successful people mix work and pleasure. Absolutely. Can you give us some examples how you've done that? Yeah. The myth is, you know, leave work at work and home at home. That any of us who's ever had a career that just doesn't work. Right. Right. I mean, there's, if you're, if your boss is an ass, how do you leave that at home when you go home? How do you leave that at work? Right. Or if you're getting divorced, how do you leave that at home? I mean, it's going to go with you. And so I, th- I think a better way of thinking about it is how do I make it so I can't tell if I'm working or playing? How can I tell, you know, so I'll give you a simple example. I do a thing called workcations. So a long time ago, I started thinking about, I love to travel. We've been to 65 countries on seven continents. And I started thinking about how do I do that and still keep up with everything? And so I do what I call a workcation, which is basically we'll go, say we go to Jackson. And while we're there, I'll say, okay, it's from eight to noon, I'm going to work. And then at noon, I'm 100% yours. I'll tell Pam this. 
And so I'll go and work for eight hours, for the four hours and I'll just work my butt off for four hours. And then at noon for the rest of the day, I'm hers. And so now I can have not only extended vacation longer because I don't feel guilty that I'm not home taking care of work or feel guilty that I'm not spending time with my family. So I can extend the vacation, but I can also take a lot more of them. I love that. So, I'm a, yeah, so I'm going to, I'm going to borrow that because yeah. I'll take my wife on my work trips and thinking she gets to go a nice place, but I'm working the whole time. She's hanging out by herself and that that's no fun yeah. for her. Yeah. My, I learned it from my mentor, Mark Ford, um, who, uh, he, I, when he told me that I was like, so he'll go to Paris and do that. I'll go to Paris for four weeks. He'll get up work four hours a day. And then at the, at noon, every day, he tells his wife, okay, at one o'clock I'm yours. You can have me the rest of the day. I'm going to work in the mornings. And so I think it's a great, I think it's a great strategy actually. Let's talk about a quote you had that is, I loved it. It's called you is where you is. And I think it fits in with not making excuses. And yeah, so it actually comes from a guy named Charles Gibbons. Charles Gibbons been dead for some time, but he was a mentor of mine way back in the day. And um, he would always say you is where you is, which basically means, look, it doesn't matter how you got to this point in your life, your health, your wealth, your relationships. I'm sure it's a great story, but here's the problem. Nobody cares. I mean, honestly, nobody cares how you got here. The question is now, what are you going to do? What are you going to do now? Are you going to take it and use that as an excuse for the rest of your life, not to get it, do something else? Or are you actually, are you going to not admit that's where you are? Right. People, Oh, my checking account. I don't really know the balance of my checking account. Really? I want to make you the CFO of my company. Right. So you have to admit where you are. And just take full account and be able to say, you know, this is, you, I am where I am. This is where I am. How I got here is not that important. It's a good story for me, but it doesn't really matter. Here I am. And so now what am I going to do? That's, that's the real question. So it's kind of a an understanding that you are where you are because of probably decisions you've made, actions you've taken. Uh, but if you're looking to improve or grow, then you need to admit and measure, I think is what you said. Yep. Yep. Admit it. Admit where you are. Do the measurement. You know, how many push-ups can you do right now? Well, I can do half of one. Well, good. Don't be ashamed of that. That's just where you are. The question is how many can you do in a month from now? Right? How much what's your what's your net worth? Uh well, the first time I did figured out my net worth, I'm like 19 years old. Somebody told me what net worth was. I figured out it was like negative three hundred dollars. And I was like, but that doesn't matter. What matters is what is it next month and the month after and the month after. And if you're measuring it and you're willing to say, you know what, I'm going to make it better every single month. Sure enough. Can you imagine? I always tell people this when we talk about this in Gladiator, actually. I said, can you imagine if you said my net worth will be higher every month for the rest of my life? Even if it's by $1. If your net worth was higher every single month for the rest of your life, you'd be rich. That's all you gotta do. Simple. Yeah, it's, it's very simple. So you you call that measuring taking inventory, I believe. Is that yep. what you're referring taking to? Taking inventory of where you actually are in the key areas of your life. We call them the six pillars. Okay. Right. In your relationship with your wife, I were to say to you, okay, tell me how many dates you guys go on a month. Not enough. No. Tell mm-hmm. me how many. Yeah, I, I'm not, and I'm not specifically One. talking to you, but I'm talking to <laughs> right. anybody who wants to answer the question. Right? How many times do you? How many times do you grab your wife and make out with? And we talk about the 30 second makeout session. How many times have you made out with your wife? Like two randy teenagers in the last month. How many? And you just come up with a list of things that you would consider to be. This is what a great relationship would look like. Well, good. Now let's let me start measuring. And I'm going to improve those. It doesn't matter where I am because I is where I is, but I'm going to improve those every month. You brought up the 30-second makeout section, session, so I'm going to go there. So my when I was listening to your audio book, I'd come home with different ideas, and I told my wife, Dr. Tim says we need to have 30-second makeout, makeout <laughs> sessions. <laughs> She's like, who's this Dr. Tim guy? <laughs> what does he look like? Yeah. Is he a real doctor? <laughs> You know, it's crazy. You think about it. It's 30 seconds. 
You know, it changes your whole relationship. It's 30 seconds. Well, hold on. You got to explain it because not, I mean, okay. people don't know All what right. we're talking so, about. So imagine this. Here, I'm talking to the men right now, but it can be the women too. Imagine this. You, you, you go to your, where your wife works or to your house or wherever she happens to be at the time. And you just walk up to her, you throw her up against the wall and you just make out like you did back in the day when you were Randy teenagers and you just make out with her for 30 seconds, all out, you know, the whole thing. And then at the end of 30 seconds, she just walk away, say, have a nice day. <laughs> I mean, what a, what an easy, simple thing to do, but it's also an easy, simple thing not to do, which is why we don't do it. Right. No, that's great. Let's talk about being curious. I've comes natural to some people. It's hard for others, but I've tried to teach my kids just to ask questions and, uh, it's a way of learning, but what does being curious mean to you? Exactly what you just said. Yeah. I think it's being a lifelong learner. It's crazy to me how many people graduate from high school or graduate from college or whatever the end result of their formal education is, and then they never learn another thing. It's crazy. I mean, you literally talk to the people and you're like, wow, you've lived a long time, but you stopped learning 30 years ago. And I just... I think it does come naturally to some more than others, but I think it also is one of those things that once you start doing it, it just adds on to it. Constant and never ending improvement. How can you always be a learner by doing, listening to the podcast like this, right? Or going to the conference or reading the book or doing whatever it takes. So you're constantly learning about other things. I, I have to do, I have to be on this. We might have time to talk about it. But I have to be on this dialysis machine right now, right? I'm waiting for a kidney transplant. And um, so I'm like, what can I do? I got to sit here for two hours a day. So I'm going to use this two hours a day. I'm not just going to sit here. So I've done all kinds of crazy. I'm taking harmonica lessons right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> we went to Cracker Barrel. And my wife bought me one of those stupid $10 harmonicas. And so I found a thing on the internet. So I'm sitting in the dialysis machine learning how to play the harmonica. Good. Just whatever, you know. Keep your mind active. So you, do you think that's a skill that can be learned? It, it doesn't have to be born. born I, I do. I think because I think the more you do it, the more curious you become about more and more things. One thing leads to another, which leads to another, which leads to another. It's a good segue into my next point. So in your book, you talk about you know constant learning and you give some stats on reading that were mind-blowing. Uh, I'll read off a few. Only 42% of college graduates read another book after college. 80% of U.S. households did not purchase a book last year. And then on the flip side, the average Fortune 500 CEO reads a book a week. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's crazy to me. And I always, say, I always tell people, I say, so do you think what happened is the guy or gal got hired as a Fortune 500 CEO and said, man, you know what, I better start reading. <laughs> I don't think that's the way that went. No, I think they'd been reading so many books for so long that they had no choice but to make them a Fortune 500 CEO, right? And I love what Jim Rohn used to say, you know, as soon as you build your house, your, your final, your mansion, you walk in and to the right, there's a library. And you know why there's a library? Because if you have that much money, you've read so many books, you need a library. <laughs> were, you, were you always a reader or did that come later in life? Um, I think I've always been a reader, but not near as much as I think it's gotten more and more as time's gone on. Yeah. And, and and I think there's so many options. If you don't like reading, good, get an audiobook. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing, right? Because I love the audiobooks. Sometimes that's better than the reading. So when I say reading, it doesn't necessarily mean you actually have to turn the pages. Now you have ebooks and you have regular books and you have audiobooks, and you know, there's plenty of options out there. Podcasts. Podcast. I mean, honestly, the podcast is the new books. Right. It really is. Well, that's how I, I listened to your audio book the first time through, and now I have your print copy, which I like for highlighting and underlining things, but I'd go to the gym and I'd just put your audio book in. It was perfect. Yeah, yeah. So that's chunky. Yes. Right there. It's not multitasking. It's chunky. Chunky. You can work out and listen to something at the same time. Good. So I liked your list, and I'm not going to say them all because people need to go researching themselves. Shoe Dog was probably my favorite on there. Is there, I think I read about half. Is there another one that comes to mind that you really love? I mean, Think and Grow Rich is an all-time classic. I read that one. 
Um, I love all of the Rich Dad Poor Dad series, yep. uh, particularly the one is called Retire Rich, Retire Young. Okay. So in that one, Robert really goes kind of personal and talks about he and his wife being homeless, living out of their car, and all of that kind of stuff. And that one, that was a heart wrenching, but also has really great lessons. You mentioned Tony Robbins a few times. Yeah. Uh, the relationship between y'all must be pretty special to you. How, how did that develop? And what's it mean to so, you? So ironically, he and I are about the same age. Well, we're exactly the same age. And so I've been listening to him since I was like 18 years old. And he was 18 years old, right, at the time. And um, when Jim Rohn died, who I also really loved, when he died, I realized I never got to see him live. And I was like, wow, I have got to see. I'm not going to let that happen with Tony because I had not seen Tony live yet either. And so I made, I made a, a commitment to go to uh, Unleash the Power Within, that's Tony's seminar, uh, three months later. So we went to that seminar, and kind of funny story, we're waiting in line at the doors, and I look over, and there's this thing called Platinum Partners. And I'm like, how come those people don't have to wait in line? Because I hate lines. And uh, what I didn't realize is uh, Tony's brother-in-law, Scott, heard me say it, came over and said, Hey, are you interested in platinum partners? And I'm like, I don't know. What is it? So basically it's an opportunity to spend a year with Tony and Sage or it was back then there was a lot less people. And, uh, so I purchased that opportunity. You pay to be Tony's friend, if you will. Um, but we became very good friends. And, uh, so I spent a year, my wife and I spent a year traveling around the world with Tony and Sage, his wife and Scotland, Egypt, Israel, Fiji, and uh, it was a year that transformed my life. It was crazy. Awesome. So it was money well spent. It was, I would do it again in a heartbeat. Yeah. yeah. Let's get into probably my favorite part of the book, and it was the most relative to where I am in life. So you told a story about, I believe it was a, a business deal that um, a customer went a different way, and you'd pour your heart and soul into it, and... And you came up with, there was a defining moment where you could have pouted and felt sorry for yourself, and maybe you did that for a little bit, but then you came back and created a plan to create massive success and, yeah. and created this rules to live by for the second half of your life. Can you tell yeah. us that story? Because I think it's very powerful. Yeah, so I had the uh, contract with the hospital uh, where I was asked, I'm an emergency physician. But in addition to being the doctor, I also had the contract with the hospital side, my own company, my own emergency medicine company. I hired the doctors. We had our own malpractice, et cetera. And then I had a contract with the hospital. And what made this story really powerful for me was three months before that, I'd went to the CEO of the hospital and said, look, I'm thinking about putting down roots. I'm going to buy a ranch, et cetera, et cetera. Just make sure we're all good. And he assured me we were good to go. So three months later, I get called up into his office and he says, hey, just want you to let you know, we're going to go a different direction, blah, blah, blah. I've been there for 10 years, poured my heart and soul into that 10 years. And in a way, I somehow confused my self-worth with my net worth a little bit and kind of, you know, my whole self-worth was tied around being the medical director of the trauma center, et cetera, et cetera. And so when he said it, it almost honestly felt like it, somebody hit me with a baseball bat in the stomach. And we live in a small town, so it wasn't like I could just run over to somewhere else and go, and go do that. And so um, what I decided instead was we're going to open our own thing. And so this is in 2006, 2005. And 2005, nobody knew what urgent care was. So it seems weird now because you can't throw a rock without hitting one. But there were none there. And so we thought we invented it. And so we went out and opened our first urgent care center and our own business and started building that business literally from the garage up and built that from zero to where we are today. And uh, yeah, so we actually had sure you say, you know, building a massive success. We actually had shirts that says failure is not an option because it really wasn't. I mean, I had to pay, I had a house payment to make. And uh, when you got that at your back, you just, force yourself to do it. And there is no revenge like massive success. Mm -hmm. you know, just keep going. So you came up with some rules and, uh, I'm, it's when I, I turned 40 this past March and I've, I'm working on my list of things yeah. I want to do or 
things yeah, I won't. List of things I'll no longer tolerate. Right. Yep. Yeah. So the list of things on the I was I was really angry actually, and so I wrote down and said these are things I'll no longer tolerate in my life. Most of they were things I'd no longer tolerate for myself, but also things I'd no longer tolerate from others. So they were things back then. The list has changed over the years, but back then they were things like I'm not going to tolerate not working with people I love. I'm not going to tolerate being poor. I'm not going to tolerate not traveling around the world. I'm not going to tolerate having a relationship with my wife where we argue and fight. I'm not going to tolerate. And I just made a list of things I would no longer tolerate for myself and others. And that became my rules to live by. And I love how you said it's changed over time because I think sometimes we get stuck thinking, gosh, I don't want to put this down because I have to do it for the rest of my life. And we got so stuck on trying to do a will to decide who would take care of our kids if we died and for three years we didn't do anything and finally realized hey let's get something down and you can change it so change is part of life yeah the will has to affect what's going to happen if we died tomorrow next month we might change it because next month things change that's Mm -hmm. happened to us as well um and and with the do not tolerate list you know every once in a while we can start getting frustrated i'm like why am i frustrated i need to revisit my values and my list of what you know your your life Success in your life, your happiness in life is directly proportional to the things you make non-negotiable, right? If you, you, we all have things we've made non-negotiable. I say to somebody, hey, do you use crack cocaine? They say, why? I would never do that. Well, then you've made that Mm non-negotiable. What things in your life have you not made non-negotiable that you should? And you know, because you read the book, but I call it the 100% decision. I lost sight a long time ago. I work out every day. I don't have to think every day, am I going to work out today? I already made the decision. I made it one time. So I don't have to think about it every day. It's much easier than every day having a fight with yourself, right? I don't have to look at a girl and wonder if I'm going to have an affair. I already made the decision. I'm not going to. So once I make the decision that what things you've made non-negotiable, that's what equals the quality of your life. And we all have these things we haven't made non-negotiable that we should have, but it's that little pet peeve that we just want to keep there, right? I I just want to hold on to this one. Well, I guarantee you that is also affecting other areas in your life. And if you'll make that non-negotiable, whatever that thing is for you, it'll improve the entire quality of your life. That's great advice. Uh, It it spoke directly to me and, uh, I need to add a few more to my list, but I'm working on it. It's awesome. All right, you have a saying in the book, and you you drop a couple f bombs, which it's good. Sometimes you need to add, <laughs> you need to add some you need to add some emphasis, and it's a good attention grabber. So yes. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to have a coach that would say, "Golly, geez, darn it, just doesn't get it sometimes." That's <laughs> <laughs> true. But you said, "I'm the rider, and life is the horse." Where did yeah. that come from, and what does it mean? So one day I was actually flying over to, uh, I think I was flying to Norway and I started thinking and thought, it's so weird how some people will decide the way life's going to be. And then life just becomes that way for them. Right. Like Jennifer Lopez or, you know, some of these famous people that are like, how did they make the whole world look like the world works for them? And so I started thinking about it. And the reality is life will give you whatever you ask of it. If you say to life, hey, you know what? So so for most people, they're the rider, they're the horse and life's the rider. Every day they get up and they're worried about the economy and the Congress and the president and their mother-in-law and life is the rider and it just beats them down. But if you will take the time to say, you know what? No, I'm the effing rider. I ride. The, the horse is life and I'm going to tell it what to do. And when I do, it will do it. And it's crazy when you adopt that concept, how it true it becomes. And then I started thinking of different examples in my own life where I've done that over and over again and said, no, that's not the way I know that's the way you think it should be. And I know that's the way everybody else does it. That's not the way I'm doing it. That's I'm not going to do it that way. We're going to do it this other way. And then people start to accommodate and then people start going, Oh, I, there's a guy named Famous Dave Anderson. Famous Dave owns Famous Dave's Barbecue. And I said to him one day, I said, how come they call you Famous Dave? And he said, 
One day I said, hey, don't call me Dave. Call me Famous Dave. I said, then everybody called me Famous Dave. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> and that's as easy as it is, right? That's that's really how crazy it is. When, when I, we first started my teaching company, we'd owned all these medical clinics and I realized doctors didn't know a lot about business. So I thought, oh, I'm going to start teaching doctors about business. And I started doing these success summits around the country. We've done them in Florida, Vegas, LA. But the first time we did it, I was really afraid it was just going to be me and a bunch of chairs in the room because who was I to say I was the expert at how they should do this, right? But it turns out the reason I was the expert is because I said, hey, I'm the expert. And then guess what happened? They all came and I taught and then they came to me with their problems and I helped them solve their problems. Then more people came. And sure enough, within a year, I really was the expert. But it's really just deciding. That's that's how this podcast got started. And I'm no expert, but I said I'll do one, and if uh, anybody listens, and maybe I'll do two. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and, yeah. and I'm. This is going to be the ninth episode when we release it, and it's a milestone. Research shows most podcasts die, or 35 percent die, before they release nine episodes. So, wow, congratulations. Well, well, and guess what happens? Now you become the expert because over nine episodes. You're much better than you were on episode one. Well, and every time I do one of these and I talk to a fellow grit man or grit woman, yeah. I'm a big believer that success doesn't happen by accident. So I'm That's learning from you and yeah. the other guests. So thank you. Yep. Success leaves clues for yeah. sure. Well, tell us about some of your products. I mean, I, a saying I have is that grit men are always working on their game, which could be you have to define what your game is. It could be trying to be a better dad or a better parent or make more money or improve your relationships. And, and you touch on a lot of those. So I want my audience to benefit like I have. Can you tell our Absolutely. tribe about your offerings and uh, feel free sure. to brag on yourself? So we have uh, so our website is called livingeveryminute.com. And on Living Every Minute, we have some products. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and uh, since you guys have, since your listeners are out there, I'm going to go ahead and give them a promo code for a 25% off everything that we, that we sell. If you, uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we'll make sure that we get well, that taken care of. Grit men aren't freeloaders, but they, they maybe they need a little nudge, so that's yeah, good. Yeah, well, and I'm just appreciating <laughs> being here. Yeah. I mean, honestly. And so so we have, um, you know, we the, you mentioned the journal planner. So we have Living Every Minute Journal Planner, which is, I've always just been a planning fool for some reason i've I, I think a life worth living is life worth recording and you know i just think how you don't leave a lot for your heritage for your kids and grandkids but can you imagine if you could sit and read your grandpa's journals or your great grandpa's journals how amazing that would be and so good i'm going to give that opportunity to my grandkids and so i created so i've always been a journaler and i've always been a planner and I've used, honestly, every kind of planner you can imagine. I've spent more money on planners and journals, but it just, I wanted to build something that kind of combined all of that together. So now what we've got is really creative. Um, it's a 90 days, it's a, we call it a 90 day sprint. So when you open it up, there's a 90 day plan you create and we guide you through the process. And then there's a monthly plan and then a weekly uh, uh plan that you sit down and plan it and then you record it and we talk about how to journal that and it'll guide you through there's kind of a unique thing we've done is we put qr codes in it so in the planner when you open it up there's a qr code you put your phone over it and we'll pop up on a youtube teaching something teaching some sort of concept it's not a calendar you know use your phone for your google calendar if you just need to keep track of dates this is about planning a life and there's something about going from your head to your fingers and doing the actual writing that makes you do your life better. And everything in it has been scientifically based. There's a whole bunch of things that we do in there that I've taken from reading the literature and, and putting it into a planner, but we can guide you through that process. We have a couple courses. Um, I talked about Gladiator. Um, it's called Reclaim Your Gladiator. And I tell people it's Reclaim Your You guys, your grip people appreciate this because what the first night I say at Reclaim Your Gladiator is I'm not teaching you how to be a gladiator. I'm teaching you who you already were. You just forgot. <laughs> I'm waking you back up to what you what you were born to be. And basically, it's three days at my ranch. We only do 12 men at a time. It's a men's course. 
We do 12 men at a time and uh, it's uh, it's physical, but it's also mental, spiritual. We teach the six pillars, the stuff in the book, but I teach it in a way that people don't forget because they just got their ass kicked outside <laughs> and then we come in and now they're ready to learn. That's what I know with men. You need to wear them physically out, and then they're ready to open up and be ready to be taught mentally and spiritually. And after I did it for a few years, we've had the course for several years. After I did it for a couple of years, all the women in my life came to me and said, okay, we need a women's course now. And I said, I don't know how to do a women's course. I'm special forces. What do I do? And so I spent an entire summer planning a women's course. We now have a women's course called Valkyrie. And uh, it's, it may be better than the gladiator course, to be honest with you, the watching the transformation of women go through, because if you think about women are also confused in this world, it's not just men, women are confused what who's supposed to be doing what as well, because of all the weirdness that's out there. Right. And sometimes you have to be just as bad at, if you're a single mom working a job, you have to do everything a man has to do. And then you have to be able to turn around, put on high heels and a dress and go be super feminine. Right. And so in Valkyrie, we sort of teach about that whole concept. And that's that's what we do in there. So so we have those courses. Uh, We do some one day stuff, but we haven't done that since COVID. We're going to get back to that. Um, So, yeah, that's that's kind of who we are, and what we do. Awesome. So we got a book. We have the uh, the planner and the courses. Right. And then there's some other little uh, some other little well, merchandise in there. Well, we got the the workbook too, which yep, I guess yep. follow along. With the book. Yep. I have I have to admit you kept telling me to stop when I was in the gym and go write stuff down and so I'm guilty I didn't do it, but <laughs> I'm gonna do it. <laughs> Good. And then, well and, and those are both available on Amazon, but they're also available at the website for cheaper. So if people okay. want to go to our website directly, they can go there. Perfect. We'll put that in the show notes, and I'll I'll get a link out, and, and then the code I'll get with Sydney. So, Doctor Tim, this has been great. I mean, I didn't I don't know if you knew you were a grit man, but but you're a grit man. And, I believe uh, that I am a grit man. Well, good. I, and I and I, I I believe you may not know this, but I believe you're going to go through the Gladiator course. Um, I think <laughs> I am. So uh, I, I I want to. I, I can feel it. I yeah. watched. I was on. Uh, I was on your website. Where did I see a picture of the guys holding the uh, big the log? Pe- the log. Yeah, yeah and, that's and on the website. It, and it reminded me of we had a guy Will Chesney that was on a couple episodes ago, and he was a Navy SEAL, and he taught me a term, boat ducker, and yeah. it's basically the opposite of grit because sometimes you can help explain things by saying what it's not, and that's when they're going through the Navy SEAL training, and I guess the boats, and somebody's being a bad teammate and trying to take a break and they'll duck. And so, yeah, when I saw on your website, it reminded me of that. Yeah. Log PT and boat PT are the ultimate team sports because if you're not pulling your weight, everybody else is going to have to pull it for you. Right. It's it's very unfriendly. Yeah. So what I did is I took everything that I learned in special forces. I learned from Keith Cunningham and Tony Robbins, et cetera. and said, how can we put that into three days and really make it special? So that's what we do. I love it. Yeah. Before I forget, thank you for your service to our country. 17 years, is that right? Yes, sir. That's awesome. Really appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time and sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Amen.